This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. What's up, sexy beast? How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, how's life in the wilderness? Still good? Still good. Uh, ate shit again on my mountain bike. You know, I got this one here. Let's just be clear. When you say yeah. you ate shit, that means that you fell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I fell. I mean, I think people would understand it. I'm not actually, I didn't actually eat shit, like physically eat shit in my mouth i, I uh-huh. fell on my mountain bike you know and uh but it was a great day I, I cleared all the jumps that i wanted to clear and then with 200 yards left in my entire day I, my pedal hit the fucking ground dug into the dirt and i went flying hit my head you know bruised up my side but getting back out there tomorrow joseph it's just what i do you're like uh much uh a much more poor Simon Cowell. Why is that? Because he just was testing out an e-bike. You didn't see that headline? He, he oh, yes. crashed in his courtyard, which I'm sure his people made certain was in the report that he has a courtyard and mm-hmm. that he went immediately into back surgery. They put a rod in his back and... I guess he's going to be okay. But I saw an old interview that it linked with where he said he got fit because he got into biking and he said that he's lost 60 pounds. That's wow. That's absurd. He, but you, he wasn't 60 pounds heavier than he is now. That's not possible. I haven't seen him lately. Well, I mean, he looks fit. He looks more fit, but he wasn't 60 pounds heavier at one point. But here's the thing. Why are you buying an e-bike, you know, if you're if you're losing, if you're trying to lose weight? I mean, it's basically a motorcycle, you know? I mean, yeah, you're not getting that much exercise on an e-bike. An e-bike is a bike that you can pedal when you want to pedal and just turn on and yeah, zoom yeah. when you... Okay. Yeah, you can, you can switch different gears and there's, it's pedal assist, you know? But I don't do that. I, I, like, to, I like to mountain bike up and, and get some kind of a workout. Yeah, um, that's the but, point. Yeah, yeah. And so you're falling hungover. all the time. You're hungover. You, you're I'm hungover kinda... today. I, I I had a barbecue with some friends out here, and um, you know, I drank a little too much. I smoked some marijuana, and then I actually had some chocolate mushrooms too. <laughs> so I woke up feeling a little hazy. You know what I mean? Do you remember our conversation with Danny Trejo at all? Who's Danny Trejo? Okay, that's my point. <laughs> of course I do. Of course. He I was do. talking about being eight and learning how to roll joints and whatever. I could sense you salivating on the other side of the Zoom call. No, and he I, was doing I, it as a cautionary tale. I know, but I did want to ask him, and I forgot to, just about how weed is legal now and how he felt about that, you know. I'm yeah. sure he would say it was bad, but it's not. So, it's not well, that's bad. your that's your two cents. No, it is. I don't know, maybe four or five cents, but it was fun. I had a good time. I got um, I got uh, a new barbecue called the Big Green Egg. Oh, I've seen those. It's fucking fantastic. It's so cool. It is amazing. Although you, you- <laughs> it was. I had quite the time trying to light this motherfucker. It took forever <laughs> and ever. I couldn't figure it out. So I, it's, there's a learning curve, but I'm excited about it. Who'd you have over? Who were your friends? I'm a friend Brian first, Esty, you know, and then we keep it small. And then, um, you know, my parents. It was small. Everything everything is is reduced in size now because of the corona. So but do you feel the need small. like I do, even when you're describing a party that you had to give the disclaimer that it was COVID friendly and yes, 
yes, that's why I sort of did that, you know. Um, actually, the this family got tested, you know, before they came even up to Colorado. And then they even got tested before they came to my house for the barbecue because they were just, you know, concerned out of out of just extra caution. Yeah, that, nobody like, wants know. to be the couple that kills Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> That's the exactly. only reason. It has nothing to do it's, with you. It has nothing to no, do with Aaron. Nobody no. wants to be indicted on some manslaughter charge of taking down America's first <laughs> entertainment couple. It's true. It's I mean, true. It's a, it's a nice buffer that I have because then I I know that if they're coming to my house, everyone's going to be safe because they do fear killing Hollywood's oldest couple. They yeah, been together thirty seven years and still going strong. God, thirty seven yeah. years. I know. Um, how are you, dude? What's happening? How was your week? Week was good. We're just uh, doing our day-by-day thing here at home. The boys are getting to a fun age where they're really opening up even more and showing more personality. And Wyatt, who's the more verbal one, is now making fun of his brother's shortcomings in the language department. It was kind of (laughs) sad. Blake this morning was trying to say, we watched the, what does the fox say? We watched that last night. and, uh, And Blake was trying to say, I want to watch the what does the fox say video, but he kept saying fox face, fox face. <laughs> and Wyatt turned to him and went, fox face? What? What is that? I'm like, you're, <laughs> just lay off. You're two. He's two. Shut up. I can, you know, you're not so smart, even though he's probably smarter than I am. And yeah. as you saw, you saw them up close yeah. uh, at your house. Uh just unbelievably cute so different though just such different personalities it's It's, incredible it's it's so funny i mean that's that's the crazy shit you know that you discover more and more as your kids even get older and older how different they all are it's really crazy to me that they all came from myself and aaron but they're just they're all different little beings they've got their own quirks you know, Bodhi can't couldn't be more different from Wilder, but there is a common thread that binds them all together. And for us, I think that's humor. Their sense of humors are are in sync. Yeah, very much so. They, that stuff, I think, is I think the overall behavior is baked in to the DNA, mm-hmm. but I think the humor is something that can be developed by mom and dad and then Mm -hmm. surroundings and your aunts and uncles and whoever's around them. And then they get a sense of what's funny, what's not, what's stupid, what's totally, but you're right. You're right. I think you're right. It does come from the top, meaning parents first, because they grow up listening to you and dealing with you and, and, you know, trying to understand associating with your sense of humor. You know, my kids, my kids, you can't get anything by them now. I mean, even at the age of seven, Rio, because I have fucked with them so much Yeah, as as little babies, meaning like teasing them or trying to trick them, you know, and they were gullible for a minute, but now I can't, I can't even do it. Like my, my kids look at me like, dad, it's not going to work anymore. Don't even try. I can't mess with them. Well, the other night. I jaded them. It doesn't, it doesn't stop because the other night my 21 year old Trudy was here and we had a great dinner. She went headed back to LA. She's going back to USC. She's there now. We're recording this on Monday. And uh, I was giving my wife, Michelle, shit about cleaning up after she cooked this amazing dinner. She and Trudy cooked dinner for everybody. And I'm like, Michelle, come on, let's go. These dishes aren't mm-hmm. going to wash themselves, like joking around. <laughs> but right. I kept doing it. And Trudy's like, God, you know, th- it's great when she gangs up on me with my wife, considering yeah. how that whole relationship began. Yeah. And now Trudy's like, I mean, how do you even put up with that? It's it's so annoying. It's not funny. It's I'm getting mm-hmm. shredded by my kid and my wife mm-hmm. is throwing in with my daughter and I'm over here like, no, it is funny because I'm enjoying it and you guys are killing time. Get yeah. back to washing the dishes. Right. <laughs> but you're the odd Stop man talking. out now. <laughs> but I'm the odd man out. Now I'm the jerk in the corner 
and uh, but I always treated my kids like adults. I never did the baby talk thing. I never did yep. the. I treated them like they were my buddies, and you know, like Michael Strahan checking in. Wow. But, Yo. Yeah, this is yet another guy, Oliver. We that is such a good guy. Nobody wants to hear these five words. Will you be on six words? My podcast. But he said yes, (laughs) and he also is on vacation in the Bahamas, and he still said yes. Wow, that's big, Yo, hey, I thought you were going to say nine words. Why haven't you asked me to marry you yet? Something like that. Wow. Why do you you think we're doing this podcast? Joe's going to make the announcement right now. Yeah, you're you're going down, Michael. (laughs) This is a setup. This is an intervention for you. Uh, I've Mm. already been there. I've been there before, man. I was going to ask you this eventually, but let's just start with this. You played in the league. You see what's going on with Major League Baseball. You know how these guys live. The idea of, of being... Uh, choir boys and going from facility to home, facility to home, and and being doing this the best possible way is unrealistic to me. And I trying to keep this coronavirus out of the NFL, where it just doesn't become outbreak city. I think is I, I'm really hopeful, but man, I, I think it's going to be Herculean to try to get through this season. Do you agree with that? I, I yeah, I. I I think it will be beyond Herculean to to do it because you hit it on the head. Uh, if you're a vet and you have a wife or you have a family or something like that, okay, you go to work, you go home, you're you pretty much have a routine. If you're single, or if you are a new young player who just for mm-hmm. the first time have a little money <laughs> in your hand and you got your you just bought your gold chains and you want everybody to see you. <laughs> You're not going to stay home, man. You're going to be out in a bout. And, and if you can't go out, you're going to bring the party to you. So that's mm-hmm. what I think about. I worry more about that. It's not guys are smart enough, at least some are, to not, to not you know, go out and be caught at Magic City and try to sit there buying chicken wings. Um, you know, that, guys will that was amazing. Home. That was amazing, by the way. But, you know, Magic City does have great chicken wings. That's real. I haven't gone. I, Oliver, I couldn't tell you if that's real or not. <laughs> what is ma- what, I don't even know what Magic City is. What is that? It's like a strip <laughs> oh, joint man. or something? Yeah, yeah didn't so you hear that need... story? No, I, I don't know. I didn't. What? Is this NBA or what is this? NBA. NBA. Lou Williams left the bubble to go to a funeral, but he took a picture with a rapper who then posted it saying, you never guess where we, we ran into each other at, like a little thing. And they were like, Lou Williams? He was at a funeral. Why is he hanging out with this guy? And Ah. they were at Magic City. And Lou Williams said, well, I'm at Magic City because I went to pick up food for, I guess, the family. (laughs) Because they have great food, chicken wings. But then you had three or four girls who said, yeah, we danced for him while he was here. I guess (laughs) that's part of waiting for your food. You get a lap dance or two. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'll say, I'm I'm, I'm good with that. That's in in other times. I'm fine with that. That seems like a nice combination of things. Yeah. So, Mike, you were were the youngest of six. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. Baby. So you were the baby. What was it like, you know, being the baby of six of six kids. Well, it was a lot different like when I was a kid than it is now. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, then I was like the baby. Mom, you know, I'm the one who's at the house. Everybody else is running the streets. I'm still too young. I'm kind of with my parents, probably spent more time with my dad than anybody. Um, so I, so that relationship with my dad has and always will be strong. And it was my mom makes me, made me the cake. She cooked for me. She did all these things. While my brothers were out there gallivanting, and mm-hmm. and but it was great, it was it was cool. But at the same time, I would get picked on, I was getting beat up, I was getting all those things. And now I remember when I was 13 years old, I started working out because they had it. They called me Bob, which meant big old butt or booty on back. So when they started calling me Bob, I started working out. I started doing push-ups and sit-ups with Herschel Walker workout book, and I bought the Jane Fonda tape. So I was doing like Jane Fonda leg lifts and stuff, trying to work my literally my ass off. And mm-hmm. then I start working out with my dad 
And when I was 15 years old, my brother Victor, who used to wrestle in high school, he started like messing with me downstairs, messing around, and I was just throwing him around the room. <laughs> like, get off, man. And that's when I realized, oh, little brother ain't so little anymore, you know? <laughs> but then as I got older, now I almost in a lot of ways feel like I'm more of the older one because mm. I'm probably the most responsible one. Mm. I'm the one who makes sure everybody's okay, you know, but the roles have kind of reversed. But it's it's cool, man. It's cool. It's a lot of kids when you have, you know, sick kids, a lot of kids. Did you have a special relationship with your dad? Meaning, I'm not saying it's more special than anyone else's, but because you were the little one, you know, was there a, was there a certain bond that you guys had? Well, I think, yeah, I think it because when I was, when I started working out and I was just doing the push up sit-ups in Jane Fonda in front of the TV at home, my dad said, well, if you're willing to work like that, then let's go to the gym. Mm-hmm. So I worked out with my dad basically every day from 13 through 17. So that right there, I mean, it's kind of like playing sports. When you're around somebody, you sweat together, you're working out together, and they're pushing you and you're pushing them. The more of my dad pushing me because he had already done his thing. He was a boxer in the Army. I mean, that builds a special bond. And, mm-hmm. and I know 100% I never had a football career or anything else without my dad. My, my parents sent me back to Houston because I didn't play any high school football until my senior year. Mm. My dad sent me to Houston to live with my uncle to get up and said, you're going to get a football scholarship. I hadn't played football since I was a kid. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I had one scholarship. And I, I credit my dad with like seeing or, or making me see and believing in me enough to where I was able to actually make it happen. But sometimes, Michael, that closeness comes as a result of where your dad is in his life, too. Like I think about my, you know, I'm one of eight for my dad, at least. But I came Man, along. Man, your parents, a, your parents, woo. Hopefully well, y'all have I'm only one of two. I'm only small. one of two. I can't speak for the other, the other female in my dad's life. But uh, <laughs> as, as I came along... He was at a time where he really wanted to be more involved, taking me on road trips, yeah. you know, really making sure that I was being raised the right way. And and maybe that was the case with your dad, who was in the army. And this was taking place, I assume, in Germany. Is that when that was going on? Yeah. I mean, he was still in the army when this first started. We started working out together. But I do agree with you. I think he was just at a point in his life where maybe his life was a little more settled. And um, he was able to take that time to spend with me. But he was always very inclusive. He always went on fishing trips and all these things. And if the kids couldn't go, he wouldn't go. And uh, he, you know, he was just a very inclusive, inclusive dad. But my relationship with him is definitely a little bit different than with my brothers, because I spent that, that time with him when I was from 13 to 17, like pretty much literally every day working out, hanging out. You know, I remember going back in the day, it was so easy to get your kids to do things. He would have me jog with the platoon and I just got like a one of those regular size Gatorades. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I get a Gatorade by myself. But it was like the simple thing that kept you going. <laughs> what was it like uh, having a dad in the army? I mean, were you guys, were you in one place or were you moving around a lot? We were in um, Fort Bragg, North Carolina when we were in the States. Because my dad is um, with the Air, 82nd Airborne Division, so he had to jump out of plane. Wow. Um, we were in Maryland for a bit, but most of the time I remember is being at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. That's when I played football my first two years, seven and eight years old. I played for the Falcons and the, and the, um, the Saints. Hmm. And then we moved to Germany. And, and you know, that was, that was, I mean, that was different. That was fantastic because I really grew up in Germany, so the chance to see the world. And it gave me a different outlook to where I, I don't look at the world as being just like the U.S. And that's all you know. And you never left your town or you never left your state. Like I've seen mm-hmm. um, a majority or a lot of the world. And it's kind of opened up my view that the world's a big place. And your your thoughts and philosophies and your way of life is not the only way that people live on in the world. And I think that's really, really helped me. So I'm grateful that my dad was in the military. I think it gave me discipline and structure. And, and on top of that, it gave me a, a world view. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you when you got to the NFL, was it was it eye opening to hear and feel and almost experience in some ways how teammates' childhoods were so different than yours? I mean, I and, and I it's well, got to yeah. be what what led to your 
post-career stuff. I mean, the the football was always one thing to you, but you're so you're like a unicorn. You you do so much. You, you were you're so prepared for all this stuff. Uh, I mean, go back to that the, the the initial part of that question. How different your life was as a kid than the guys that you shared a locker room with? I tell you right now, was it different? Hell yeah, it was different. <laughs> I mean. When I came back for high school, and this is the true story, Kirk Menefee messing with me all the time. When I came back from high school, this is how naive I was at 17. When you're in Europe, all you hear about all the bad things here, the drug problem, this and that. I get off the plane, my uncle picks me up, we ride to his house, and there's a drugstore with the big, you know, the big old sign that say drugs. I remember thinking, oh my God, the problem's so big, they're advertising. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is how, wow. that is, that is not a joke. That's how, don't say stupid, but stupidly naive I was about it. And, but the more time I spent here, of course, the more, you know, comfortable I got. But when you're in these locker rooms and you see, hear some of the story, the way some of these guys grew up, um, it gives you a better understanding of the way that they act, the way they re- react, the way that they kind of live their life. And I've always been a guy's football. I've always it, it was fantastic. I mean, God, thank thank God for football. But at the same time, I never thought it was the only thing that I could do because when I grew up, it wasn't the only thing I thought I would do. So when football was over, I just think having that just feeling like, oh, that was just a part of my life, not my whole life. It allowed me to do everything that I do now. And it's funny because I was talking about you, Joe, the other day. With with um uh, with some friends yesterday, as a matter of fact, we're watching watching a golf tournament, and we were talking about you know doing golf commentary, and then you doing baseball, and you're doing football, and you're doing all these things. People don't know, first of all, it's such it, the preparation is is tough, especially when you first start when you don't know the rhythms of it, and then just to be able to just go un like not gonna say unfiltered, but just to be able to talk like that for hours. People think talking for a living is easy, but sometimes it's not. And well, you make it look effortless. For me, I'm like the king of the one or two hour job. Yeah, mm-hmm. I go do do news for two hours. I do a talk show for an hour. I do a game show for an hour. But I go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're you're underselling yourself. Who the hell wants to get up and read news? And I I'd be so scared that I'd read something and make myself look so damn stupid on network TV in the morning with some, you know, whether it's the situation in Beirut or, you know, you're, you mispronounce something or, you know, the yeah, workings of the government or all, you know, all that stuff. I mean, you've got so much in just hosting a game show and reading teleprompter and doing all that stuff and is not easy. Your you're ass off. Yeah. Jesus. I don't, I don't know how you keep everything straight. I mean, you're, you're, you're pumping my tires. I'll, I'll pump yours. I, I don't get it. I don't see how you do all this stuff. Well, I have fun because it's fun to me. It's like fun jobs. I don't have any job that's like a uh, like a weight on my soul. I, mm-hmm. And like I said, you talk for a living. I got used to get beat up for a living, man. And me looking across the desk at George Stephanopoulos is a lot different than me looking across the the, the line from John Runyon. So I'm not. <laughs> it's, a, it's a totally different, totally different thing. But that is the one fear that I do is it, mispronouncing a name or oh. mispronouncing something. So you better, you got to definitely make sure. And there are certain ways that you say a word that somebody else may say it differently mm-hmm. that really doesn't matter. But in your head, you always think, oh, I got to be wrong. So you got to make sure I call, I'm in my producer like, hey, hey, Aaron, do you hear me? How do you say that word? Make sure I get yeah. it right. Yeah. yeah. And, but to mispronounce someone's name. Oh, oh, man. That's like one of the worst things, especially in a live interview. Were you preparing, you know, for life after football early on? Meaning in the when you were working, when you were on the field, were you thinking, what is my life after this sport? Nah. Because you, really. you because you become so prolific, man. I mean, you're doing everything, literally everything. You know, did you have a did you have an idea that this is the path that you wanted to go on after football? No, I mean, I, first of all, I appreciate that, but no, no. I mean I I was just playing football. And mm-hmm. and and I'm not a fool, man. Playing in New York makes a big difference. Yeah. It's a big difference. If I had played in some another city, I just would have been a guy who played in another city. So playing in New York gave me all these different opportunities and, and I used to have fun 
and they would say, hey, Michael, do you want to you want to come over and you want to, you know, do this show or do that show? Eh, why not? I try it. And if it were fun, I continue to do it. If it weren't, then I wouldn't. But I didn't look at it as a way to say, OK, it's going to be my next career. Let me set myself up. I wasn't that um, I wasn't like these guys are now. Mm-hmm. These guys now have the next step in their head about what they want to do, if it's TV or if it's business or anything like that, which I take my hat off to them for thinking ahead. For me, it was almost like I fell into everything that I'm doing right now. And it happens to be stuff I never went to school for, but it's just a testament that if you're willing to work at something and put yourself out there and not be afraid to try something, then good things can happen for you. But no, I never woke up and said, yeah, you know, I want to be on TV when I'm done Mm -hmm. playing football. Happy it happened, though. I'm very happy it happened. I was just going to say, I wish I knew you better as a player. Just during those years, I did a million of your games, including your Super Bowl win and Super Bowl 42, which to this day, when people go, what's the what's the most intense game you've ever done in the NFL? That's my answer, because my heart was in my throat in that fourth quarter was just you guys going against the Patriots and the Patriots going for a perfect <laughs> season. And Eli was damn near perfect in the postseason and your defense was rolling. And But I wish I knew you better back then so I could compare you then to now, but if I did, would I see the same guy? Would would I? Has has there been any sort of a evolution personality wise that that I would go? Yeah, but back then he was a total blank. dick. Well, not a would, dick, you know but, that's, but that's you got to be possible. kind of a dick. You got to kind well, of be I'll, a I'll dick. Tell you, I'll tell you this though: it, it's funny. First of all, if your heart was in your throat, where do you think my heart was? I, I, <laughs> I mean, God. Like, but you personality-wise, off the field, same, same. On the field, and when it came to work, I was an ass, man. Like, I was an asshole. This is what we do. Like, this is no joke to me. I'm not out here just, just playing. When you're young, you're out there playing because you want to make money. You want to make money. You want to get, you know, you think, oh, I want to be famous and the girls and all these different things. But then when you get older, it's like, I'm out here playing because I want to win. And the best thing I ever did, which I wish these young guys would do, is I used to get my Super Bowl tickets every year and I'd give them away. I wouldn't even go. And then I went to see the Patriots when they the first Super Bowl of Brady won against the Rams. Was it the Rams? Yeah, yeah. 01. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I went to that. The first Super Bowl game, I actually went, used my tickets to go to a game. And when that confetti fell, those guys ran out there. I was like, damn, this is what you play for. This mm-hmm. is what you play for. So that's when my focus went from, hey, you know what, I'm out here making money and doing my thing to, man, you know what? I want to win. I want to win. So I was I was fun and cool, and I had my guys back. And if you had a problem with the coach, you come to me. I was the guy who was going to handle all that. But if you weren't going to do your job, I was going to jump your ass because I'm not out here getting beat up to lose. I'm not here getting – I only had one time in my career that I actually like went to a locker room and destroyed some – some shit mm-hmm. and 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 it was all in seattle our kicker decides he wants to you know not really pre-kick and warm up and goes out there and misses a field goal to kind of to help us win the game and we end up losing the game and instead of instead of getting to him i decided to take a few chairs in the locker room <laughs> because i felt like at that time man and i kept saying i kept saying to the coach we're always the bridesmaid and never the bride like mm-hmm. we're always close like enough of this closeness. We need to win. Like screw that. Everybody wants to win, but who the hell here expects to win? And that's a different mentality. And going back to that Super Bowl, for once in my career, we didn't just want to win. We actually expected to win, and it happened. Mm-hmm. Now, have you? What about your kids? I mean, have you instilled that work ethic into your children, or is that just who they are? You know, we were before you got on, Joe and I were because I have three kids. He's got, you know, however many kids he has four. Four. We were just talking about how different <laughs> <laughs> four that you know, of, Joseph. Right. We but we were talking about how different our children are. You can raise them the same, but yep. they're just different beings. You know, I mean, do they have your work ethic for the most part? Yes, very much so. My oh, I have four, and my oldest daughter, she is very like um, she and my then her and my oldest son are very very self sufficient. Like, I gotta ask them, are you okay? Do you need anything? What's going on? You know, and I always joke like, oh, 
you know, do I do I help them? Yeah, but it's more for me than it is for them because I always say, oh, when are they going to get off daddy's scholarship? Mm-hmm. But in, in the heart of hearts, heck, you know, they don't really ask for anything. And they want to do it on their own. To one point, my daughter lives out in L.A. She's a graphic designer. She graduated college out there, um, went to Texas for a while. And then I thought she was going to come to New York because I had a job lined up for her there. She wanted to move back to L.A. So she's in L.A. and, and she's looking for a job at that point. And we're at dinner and I said, well, how's the job hunt going? Oh, you know, it's been really tough. So I think I'm going to, you know, just join up and be an Uber driver. <laughs> uh, Uber driver? Not, 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 not saying anything's wrong with being an Uber no. driver. But that's but, your baby. That's your baby that's girl. For baby. God. <laughs> exactly. Like you're my firstborn child and you're going to be an right. Uber driver? Right. Nah. So um, at that point, she ended up working for me at, at our company out there at our office in L.A. And then in the middle of this pandemic, she's like, I'm putting in my two-week notice. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, I got a job um, in graphic design, which is what she wanted to do, what she went to school for. So um, I'm proud of her. And my son, he works for us in New York, our office in New York. But you wouldn't know. They're not kids who run around and say, hey, you know, I'm this and that. My name is this. My dad is that. Never. You would never know. They are so humble and and nice, just nice people. Yeah. And and then I have twins like Joe who are who are going to be sixteen in October. And my older twin is one of the four kids who is very, like she's chill, like she's the one who can say, "Oh, you know what? I just want to go live in the Bahamas and sit around on the <laughs> beach and you know and and just relax." Whereas her sister, the youngest, is very focused. Like the school that they go to in New York, she she got into a school. She's so happy. And it was her focus because it's like one of the highest Ivy League acceptance schools in the country. Like she is on another level. Like even talking to her, mm. am I talking to my kid or am I talking to somebody else as an adult? Mm-hmm. She's a, she's, yeah. So I got I got one who's. I have a feeling maybe on Daddy's scholarship longer than the yeah. other. The other three could take care of me. <laughs> I love that though. I love that story though about your daughter and Uber. That just says so much about what kind of a person yeah. she is. It's like, look, I mean, I grew up with famous parents, and and I I did not want anybody to know who they were. I wanted to be my own person. You know, yeah. um, it was a big thing for me. And and, and when anytime. Anytime anyone found out, I questioned whether they liked me for me or whether they were just trying to get and get to know my parents for whatever reason. But the yeah. fact that she would just say, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go drive an Uber. I don't need you. I'm going to do this on my own. You know, what a mentality to have. She will be fine for the rest of her life, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's the thing. Like, I don't worry. Like, I'm not worried about them. When they have that attitude, I'm like, they will, they will do anything to, to survive within that's legal. So, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, with, for that, I was, I was scared to hear it, but at the same time, I was happy to hear it. And, mm-hmm. you, and you're right. I think I can't imagine growing up how you grew up mm-hmm. in that situation with fa- famous parents, world famous who, I mean, how do you react when somebody comes? You have to question pretty much everybody. But as you get older, of course, you find out you can decipher between real friends and then acquaintances oh, yeah. and, um, you know, but yeah, when you're a kid, man, that's got to be a hard existence. It sharpens you. You get sharp. You know, I mean, you you have mm-hmm. no, you, you have no choice. You know, you have to start to read people, and you gain an intuition that I don't think I would have had. Like I know for a fact that yeah. Joe doesn't really like me. You know, he's sort of in it. No, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of Private Benjamin. I I want to see. And Kurt Russell, Snake Plissken. I just want to meet uh, them someday. If I can, I, then this podcast is done. Hey, the only reason I'm doing this podcast is because Overboard. I mean, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you a signed poster. Oh, yes, yeah. baby. The answer uh, for Oliver you- was when you have a famous parents like that, world famous, you end up doing a podcast in your mid forties, almost mid forties, called Daddy Issues. So that's that's, that's right. kind of what we're talking about. That's He's right. fucked that's up. Right. That's his problem. Hey, well, but isn't yeah, it something like, like Daddy Issues that all you want to do as a parent is to keep your kids from having any? I mean, that's nah. my whole focus right now. Oh, I know, I know, but but, but, we- but the, here, but here's the question. How long can they stay on the scholarship before they mm. uh, it, it screws them up? You know what I mean? Like there's got to be that cutoff point 
because you, then you start to enable. So where yeah. where is that line? But I think my kids are smart, though. My older kids are smart that they don't ask for anything. So I almost forget they're like on scholarship. Mm-hmm. If they were constantly <laughs> asking, I'll be like, well, damn, you already get this or every month. So like, whoa, why do you keep on asking? What are you doing with your money? You got a budget better. You got to do this. But the fact mm-hmm. that they don't ask ever. I actually forgot they wanted daddy scholarship until this podcast. So now I got to go back and, you know, look, look, <laughs> Sorry, look again kids. at the, at the Sorry, financials. Kids. It's our yeah. fault. I, you know, I, I do think though, on some level, everything that you put in when they were little and you were molding and, and shaping these young people, you know, you do get that back. And if you were willing to put in that time back then, you're not going to be the dad. And as tough as Oliver tries to talk, whatever these kids need, if you're able to provide, you're going to provide. I mean, I, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm being taken advantage of that. My 24 year old is trying her own podcast and is trying to act. And, and as long as she's a good, happy, solid citizen that treats people well, how am I going to, with, with everything I've got and so fortunate gonna say no to her i mean i i get it they got to do their own thing but sometimes their own thing that makes them happy isn't the most profitable thing that they could be doing i mean you, you gotta know what they are hold on hold on she's 24 joe yeah damn mm-hmm. i did not know that was 24 years old yes. holy smokes yeah but you know what but but being around her um you know, thursday night football everybody loves her she couldn't be better and, um, you know, and, and, and so that's a testament to parenting, of course. And, and you're right. It is hard whenever you have a certain life or lifestyle. And then you, I don't want my kids to to not in some way, shape or form kind of benefit from it. But at the same time, I do have to remind the younger ones, the younger twins. OK, I just want you two to realize that this life is not your life. This is my life. The lifestyle right. is not your lifestyle, per se. It's a byproduct of my lifestyle. So you're going to have to earn and work and work hard in order to keep it up in this way, shape, or form. Or, you know what? It doesn't continue. Like, I just don't want you to get this false sense that this continues. But I'm also for you. I'm with you, too, when it comes to this with your kids. I tell my kids, which I got this from Lionel Richie. He doesn't even remember this because I doubt he remembers this dinner thing we were at at, uh, in L.A. But he said, I tell my kids to use me. Use me while I'm here. Let me connect you. Let me put you in a position, if I can help you, to do the things that you want to do. Because when I'm not here anymore, that goes away. So use me while you can to get yourself in a position of, of where you need to be. And it goes against, you know, in a lot of ways when you're growing up, you're like, I don't want this to build it to my parents. But when you become an adult, I do think of when you become of a certain age, if you could get that nudge, if mom and dad can help you, I hate to say it, but nepotism is real sometimes. Yeah, and it yeah. helps. Yeah. yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah but but yeah. but but it's like anything else, right? You can get your foot in the door, but at the end of the day, you have to prove yourself. You know, you have to yeah. prove that you that you can do this thing. I mean, even for me, you know, I, yes, I can get an audition when I'm first starting out, but if I suck, they're not going to hire yeah. me. You know what I mean? Like. But yeah, nepotism is real. Take advantage of that. There's no reason why you shouldn't. And my parents were big on that. Just like you said, this isn't the real world. You know, we live in our world, but this isn't the real world necessarily. Um, And you need to understand that. And they always made me work for the things that I got. I never got allowance. I never was just floated money ever. You know, I, I went to college and I got a credit card in college, which everyone does. And I was $300 over i overspent 300 dollars. i called my mom i said i need 300 dollars. i gotta pay off a credit card she goes a what you have a credit card i said yeah we are, you know i got a credit card she goes i'm not paying i'm not giving you 300 dollars to pay off the credit card i called <laughs> my friend's dad michael Casson, and i was like, excuse me uh, mr Casson, uh, i know you don't know me that well but can i borrow 300 dollars to pay off this credit card <laughs> oh my god and he Did gave he it to it? me yeah, he gave it to me, Did and then that summer back? I paid him back. Yeah, I paid him back that summer. Oh, oh man, he probably telling everybody what kind of parents does he have? Right? Yeah. Boy, yo, 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 Kurt Russell, what an asshole! 
No, but listen, <laughs> listen. On the flip side of that story is one day there's a knock at my door my sophomore year, and there's a fucking chef standing at the door with a casserole. I'm like, hi, can I help you? He goes, are you Oliver? I said, yes. Your mom hired me to cook for you. And I'm like, are you shitting me right now? All of my roommates are like, your mom hired a chef to cook for you. So now I've got this food coming in every week. It was more, I was mortified. I couldn't believe she did it. I called her up. I'm like, mom, why are you calling a chef? This is horrible. Everyone is like laughing. I'm going to have a chef in college, but you won't pay off my credit card bill. I don't. Right. <laughs> How much would you kill for that chef right now? You fat uh. bastard. Hey, I'm jealous right now. I wish I had it. I know. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hey, Michael, is it different? Does it feel different? This just dawned on me with the way this country is right now, going in to read the news or be a part of the news or deliver it. Does it feel heavier than it's ever felt in the years that, that you've, you know, been on television? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing the news now for six, seven years. It's definitely different. Definitely different. Um, the difference, the subject matter, I think we do a lot more. When I first got there, I was talking to George and George said, you know, after the presidential election, we may spend three, four, five minutes, if that, on politics during the, during the show. Well, now, you know, we risk spending 20 minutes at least. Like everything is amplified. But it, it's heavy stuff because, it, it, especially now, it's been about, um, you know, uh, social justice. It's been about racial inequality. It's been about um, a lot of the, the racial things that have been kind of stoking fires around the country as well. It's been about um, presidential disagreements and all these different things that come up every day and some of the things that are said that make you just shake your head. It's just every day it's something now. Mm-hmm. Nothing um, It's never really an easy news day anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that has been the biggest difference. There were days where you could go in and you, ah, you know, I looked at the rundown. I got the notes. I've been reading up all night and this morning. No big deal. Today's going to be a light day now. Whenever we do light things in the show, it actually almost feels more out of place. Whereas before, when we had to do heavy stuff all the time, that almost felt more out of place. So, but I, I do love the job because I think what it's done to me is made me more informed about the world. It made me more informed about politics, maybe more informed about people and health and and you name it. I mean, I'm just more informed and well-rounded as a, as a person, but it definitely has taken on a totally different tone, completely different tone. Yeah, I, I and I ask that because I, I wonder, you know, for somebody like you, who I, I don't know anybody who you have met, if we have mutual friends, that doesn't love you. And and I feel like, do, do you sense that you are also in a position where you have to take a stand or take a side or have an opinion on a news story? Now, obviously, when you get into race relations and you're getting into racial inequalities, people are going to go yeah. to you for an opinion. But but even politically now, I mean, everything kind of folds into that and where we are come November. Do you feel this odd pressure to, or maybe it's not odd, but at least a responsibility to weigh in that way? That's a very, that's a very good question because there are so many stories. I can comment on anything. And one day I do say when I, when I, when I am, Maybe when I'm just at a certain point, I just want to do a show where I can say whatever I want to say about mm-hmm. whatever I want to talk about. Oh, I'm going to do a game <laughs> like that. It's going to be a hell of a game. And then you'll never see me again. Exactly. When I was like, you always tell them, you guys going to be able to tell when it's my last day. Because I'm going to get <laughs> I'm gonna get out there and I'm going to light it up. But you always got, yeah. I mean, I have opinions, but I always have to tell myself, my job is to deliver the story. You listen to it and you form your own opinion. And it's no different than just being responsible when I'm out and about. I always say to myself, make sure you're reporting stories and you are not the story. That's mm-hmm. always my focus, because if that's the case, I'm doing something wrong. But is there is that does that even exist anymore? I mean, is there actually real news that is delivered like it was? I mean, it seems like everyone is an everything is an opinion show nowadays. You know, it seems like it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, is there, you're, is you're, there yeah, any right. straight news anymore? I, I just don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think when you, when you watch the news, depends on what channel you watch, you can go, okay, they lean You this know what way. you're going to get. If, if I go to CNN, I know what I'm going to get. If I go to Fox News, I know what I'm going to get. If I go to, yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, it's, there's destinations. If you want to get, you know, your opinion fed, go here. If you want to be pissed off, go there. But how many people, Joe, will watch both? Most people stick with one and watch it and get just like, that's where I'm staying because that's yeah. what I, I don't want to get mm-hmm. upset watching the other because very few people can, can like sit back and just take in both opinions and, and, and kind of, you know, make their own decisions. So that's I think right. in a lot of ways, watching, watching television is in, in so many different ways, they push you wherever they want to push you. And like you said, you can watch and you can tell. But I think for me, as far as being like an on-air guy, my job is, oh, here's the story. This is what they produce. This is the story. I'm going to mm-hmm. lead. Somebody else going to tell it. And then you make your own opinion. From that. Yeah. And I led into that question because I do feel like you're a pleaser. I, I know I'm guilty of being a pleaser. You want people mm-hmm. to like you. And I don't think that's that's there's anything bad in that. I'm the same way. And I feel like when you're doing the news, you know, now everybody is so ready to just fire off a uh tweet or uh instagram something or whatever that you it's it's become more impossible than ever to just kind of live your life and and avoid the the muck but i told a friend of mine um who uh, about twitter because they did something and i called i said hey you gotta you gotta you gotta take that down just like there's just nothing good gonna come about that for you and they were like oh you know i, I said hey anytime that anyone's ever gotten in trouble is uh, for Instagram or Twitter. It's when you tweet or do an Instagram post when you're emotional. Mm-hmm. People don't know how to sit back, take a breath, think it over, make sure that's what you want to put out there. Because once you put it out there, you can't. I hate when someone puts something out there, and then they get get. Then some people give them a hard time, and they remove it. It's too late. It's never gone. Mm-hmm, Somebody yeah, already mm-hmm. screenshot it one yeah. second after you posted it. So, dude, you just it's over. Just Think about and be rational about what you post and never, ever post anything when you're emotional. And we all are emotional. We all get fired up about certain things. I mean, I, I, a lot of things that get me going, but I'm going to share them with people who are right in my face and not post it for the world to see because a lot of things, basically, until my last show, aren't anybody else's business. Do your kids watch you? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Depends um, on who you're pit- interviewing. Did they and have you're cool, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. If it's some kid from um some some TikTok or some some makeup, they're all tutorial, in. Dad's cool. Then yeah. Then oh, dad, I can't believe you met him and oh my or her and oh, I I can't believe that you didn't tell me they were on. I'm going. I didn't know you cared. First of all, <laughs> like football is like oh, dad's doing a football thing. They don't they don't really pay attention to that. The news, the only pictures, like I said, are interviews when it's somebody who is in their world that mm-hmm. I probably don't really know, but I got to interview them anyway. And um, they watched the $100,000 Pyramid. They watched that because it's a, mm-hmm. a fun show. Oh, yeah. And, I did that but with But other you. than, yeah, you did it, man. You were fantastic, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> hey, but thanks. Joe, 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 you got to do it. Yeah, I no, I'm not, unless I'm hosting it, I'm not doing it. I'm Why? not good at mean, that shit because I need you to do know the everything. answers. I, you don't say I just, no I'm to I'm not anything, good. I'm Joe. not good under the gun like that. I'll suck. I just won't be good. Joe. I don't like being bad. <laughs> you come but on. Get me come on. on. You, get me on. I'll can't. do it. Joe, don't say that because I'll get oh, you I'll, on. I'll, I'll get yeah. ready to it in two seconds. Hey, We're going to start you know shooting this sucker soon. I'll go on with you. Yes. We can do it together. Yes. All right. Good. Yes, please. I want to ask real quick about your kids and, and, and when you were playing football and how you were able to sort of balance that because you're on the road so much uh-huh. and, and how, how, how are you, how are you being a dad, you know, during that time? Well, football was, football was tough in the sense that, but it's also of all the sports, probably the easiest one because we leave on a Friday um, earliest uh, latest, I mean, and then we come back on Sunday. Yeah. So you're basically gone for a weekend. But I think the biggest struggle is balancing 
the work and getting home and can't say I'm tired. You can't say, oh, I had a long day. They don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for me to have twins and, and at that point I was divorced. So I'm I'm sitting there with two year old, two years old from ever since they were four months mm. on up by myself. looking Single dad, first, right. A single dad, especially at first going, what the hell do I do with four month old girls? Yeah. Uh, you know, I got to figure it out real quick. And but but you, the time I read some book that said the time you spend with your dad. Uh, for your children over oh, the first three years of your life could, is probably the most important time. And I think as fathers, we get into the notion that when a kid is born, the baby's born, mama just needs to take care of the baby and mama needs to feed the baby and mama needs to, ch- I'll change the diaper every once in a while. I'll come in the room and look at him, but nothing I can do. God, and that, that, is, that is, fuck, I am so on the opposite plan of that. I, I can't get away with that. Yeah, because your wife is up your ass about it. That's, <laughs> That's right. But <laughs> but but then, man, I, I the three years when the first three years I expect like I, everything, everything, and then to this day, like my relationship with my with my kids is fantastic because mm-hmm. of the, because of it, and I think it's because of that time when they couldn't speak and they couldn't do anything, but they knew I was there taking care of them by myself, hustling. You know, you know, trying not to, they're trying to do a they play, know. they're just playing in the living room and I'm trying not to fall over and fall asleep on them, you know, but it was tough, especially being mm-hmm. a single, single dad, but it was worth every second of it. And now, I mean, it's, it's fantastic, man. Mm-hmm. Payoff is when they get older, for sure. It's just hard, man. That must be difficult being just single physically. dad. Physically. Yeah. yeah. And even just emotionally, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing football. I'm doing what I love. I'm, I'm, I'm making a life for myself and my family, mm-hmm. but I still have to be a parent. And it's a testament to you too, to, to actually stay up with them and play with them when you're exhausted, but, but that's what people don't think though. They, they, they think that, you know, if you're an athlete or if you're on TV, like we all are in movies, like, like you are Oliver, that, you know, life is, first of all, they think, they think of life is a lot different from what their life is, especially when it comes to their family. If, because you do these things that put you in the, in the spotlight that you're, you just have a beacon of light on you every day as you walk around the world, if you walk on water, and that's mm-hmm. not the case. We go home, and I know I do to the same problems and issues as everyone else. And now being a father with, you know, a 28-year-old, a 25-year-old, and, and twin almost 16-year-old girls who I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop on the boys. You know, I'm getting mm-hmm. ready to – I said every if a boy takes on them on a date or either one of them and they show up at the door – I'm going to have on full uniform, eye black on, helmet buckled. <laughs> I'm going Do to the scare. Oklahoma drill with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to earn that date, buddy. You're going to earn it. <laughs> All right. We have one minute with you, and then you're getting off because you're not going to be late for your Fox call with Bill Richards. I'm smarter than that. But our producer, Sim, is a Giants fan, and he just wanted to come on here, and for 45 seconds, he's going to tell you how much he loves you and and the and the yes. New York Yes, and then I got one last question. I, hey, what's up, Sam? I mean, it's just, it's just, an, hi, how are you? It's just an honor to meet you. I'm, I'm from New York. I've been such a fan. I, I mean, I'm not going to do this, but uh, I'm, I'm gushing right now. I, I, I adore you. I love. Thank you for being an inspiration to everyone, and thank you for everything that you do. And, and uh, this has just been a dream. So, uh, thank you so much. Hey, Sam, hey, thank you. I appreciate it, man. And um, you know what? Being a Giants fan, you deserve more than working with these two. But you just <laughs> hang in there. Better things better thing to come in the future. And I said that because I know they're going to give you a hard time when we get off oh this my call. God. So. <laughs> Danny oh, Dimes. I love Danny Dimes. Oh, God. Shut up. Oh, All right, get on. Danny Dimes. G-Men, baby. G-Men. Go ahead, Oliver. Ask your last question. My last question is... When you look back at your father and you think of the things that you have taken from him, you know, what, what is one thing that you are so grateful that you have, you know, that you have sort of inherited from him? And what is one thing that you wish you didn't take from him? Oh, oh, all right. I think the one thing that I am glad I have from my father is the attitude that he had. My dad always said when, not if. So it was all about when something got to happen, not if, because if breeds doubt. So that attitude that kind of makes me feel like if I really want something bad enough, I can figure out a way to make it work and, 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 and happen. So 
just a matter of when and just the positivity of, of, of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, his attitude and work ethic. The one thing that I have that I wish I did not have for my father could probably be something that ties into the other stuff, kind of being stubborn mm. and bullheaded and just thinking that, okay, I'll just make it, I'll just work until it happens when probably sometimes you may not need to continue to work. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, say, okay, enough is enough. Be smart about mm-hmm. it. But I, yeah, I think just his work ethic and his attitude and then at the same time being kind of bullheaded mm-hmm. about everything. And do you, see a lot of I am, you, do you see a lot of your dad in you? I see everybody and their brother wants to call me right now. Um, I see a lot. Yeah, I see too much of my dad in me at some time. Yeah. Yeah. At times. And to the point, I, I mean, I love my dad to death. My, my dad's an amazing man, 82 years old, trying to hang in there. I see he's slowing down, though, so that, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. But, um, but yeah, you ever, you ever, you ever like, drink a certain way or walk a certain oh. way or think or say yeah. a phrase? You yeah. say a phrase and you're like, oh, don't, don't ever do that again. That's too much yep. like your father. Like, yeah, too much of that for me. <laughs> Right. I don't know anybody that deserves a vacation more than you. Thanks for spending time with us during yours. And yeah, uh, thank you so much. I pre- we appreciate it, man. I hope I see you soon. I miss you, and uh, let's hopefully get back to work and play a full well, season. Well, yeah, hopefully we have some football, fellas. Hopefully we I have hope some so. football. I hope yep. so. I appreciate y'all having me, man. Thank I appreciate you. it. Anytime. Thanks, Michael. All right, All right brother. Thanks, Michael. Bye. All right, take bye, care. Fellas. Uh, have you ever? Hmm seen anybody do a better job post athletic career than no. him? I'm trying to think and and maybe the only comparison and it stops well before uh, a certain event happened was OJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. OJ was Monday Night Football acting in big movies, yeah. acting in television beloved and then we know how that story ends (laughs) but i mean michael is just genuinely one of the best smartest most open people i know that guy does everything so so charming too man yeah he's just so charming what a guy what a dad you know i mean it's just i i didn't even realize that he was a single dad for that long you know i i wanted to get even deeper into that because we don't we don't see that a lot. We don't talk to a lot of single dads, you know, who right. had to sort of manage a career. And he easily could have just probably said, you know what? I have my career. I have a nanny. And I'll just deal with my kids once my career is over. But that that's not who he was. He was all hands on deck. You know, it's admirable. You can tell, though. You can see. You can feel it in him. But it was it's not unlike what you talk about all the time, which is why we do the podcast of kind of breaking the cycle. I think for him, he wanted to continue the cycle because he obviously has great parents. Mm-hmm. He obviously had a dad that was invested working out with him every day for, you know, four years and building him up in those teen years to become who he was mm-hmm. and really setting himself up. But that's, he's continuing the cycle. He saw it. He saw a good version of it and he wanted to be that himself. And and that's kind of what I saw from my mom, uh, who's in the other room right now. And, and that's how I learned how to parent from my mom. And I was all in and, and I, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. And that's how you are, because as you've said before, you wanted to break the cycle of, you know, what, what you saw as a kid. Yeah. I guess the goal is, you know, you want your kids to grow up and, and want to be like you, you know I mean? For me, that's, that's, that's it. If, if my, if my kids can look at the way that I do things and think to themselves, you know, I want to be, I want to be like my dad. I mean, you win right there, you know, there's no better compliment. There just is no better compliment to what you've done as a parent, which is not easy and it's hard work. And it's like Michael said, he was tired, getting knocked around, running, just exhausted, coming home. But he wanted to put that time in. And and that's how I always felt traveling, doing a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when your kids are little, they don't care that you did the Super Bowl last night. You got to get up and be with them. And and mm-hmm. and I wanted to get up and be with them. Yeah. But 
it, it, it is not easy at times for anybody listening to this. We always ask the question, you know, the last question I ask of what, you know, you know, what, 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 what did you take from your dad that you loved and, and uh, what did you take from him that you don't really love so much? What do you think your girls would say about you if they were to be asked that question? <laughs> I think they, because I really honestly believe right or wrong that if you ask them and I wasn't sitting there and we really yeah. want to do an episode where that is the case. I interview yeah. your three, you interview my two, my two older ones. Mm -hmm. They would tell you that what they're scared for, for me is kind of what you're scared about with me. And that is my stress. Like my, mm -hmm. I, I am too, I'm wound too tight. And, but, uh, but did they, did they adopt that from you? Do they have that side of you that they don't like about themselves? Yeah, I think I think they did. Yeah, I think yeah. they're they're both warriors. They're both the older one, Natalie, more so I think than Trudy. Trudy can put things in its place. Natalie really carries it around like I do, mm -hmm. and uh, and and I think they they would tell you that they know that I poured everything I had into them, and it'd be sense of humor. That's what they that's what they carried yeah. on. We yeah. got on this call talking about that, and I think it's the best thing you can develop in your kids is. A sense of humor because it gets played out so many different ways. It's not just being lively or entertaining to friends or at a party or whatever, but you can also look at situations and see the funny side of it, even yes. if it's not that funny. Oh, it's and, the and great diffuser. Sense of humor is the great diffuser, you know? I mean, but it can also be um, a crutch. You know, a lot of times I was using sense of humor to sort of hide certain things that I felt about myself, you know, I would be self-deprecating, not with full confidence. It would be self-deprecation because I actually didn't like that it part about defense. myself. And it, and it was and defense. Exactly. Yeah. We've interviewed a couple people who I won't name on this podcast of the, however many we've done 20, I don't know, uh, or thereabouts that I see that, that they've mm -hmm. had some hurt, and they they default to being funny or a line here to kind of really not answer the question or really get to the heart of the matter and really so I see that and and mm -hmm. I I I I see that with you, which is why your reaction when Eddie Vetter was talking about all these <laughs> this weird cosmic happenstance better understanding of his own father after his father had passed away hit you so hard. And, you know, that that was really a window to a different side of you that I've never seen. And I'm glad I saw it. But mm -hmm. uh, but that oh, yeah. you weren't in a position where you could do your defense. Yeah. No, I know. I was I was defenseless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but it was, it was good. And that was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah. I mean, my older one, I'll say this. When I remember we were sitting uh, with my ex-wife, obviously, my daughter was little and she was probably in fourth grade. And when, when she, I mean, she's a beautiful girl, but she had ears that just stuck out. And I remember being at the dinner table and we used to do the highs and lows of each day. And so it, it, if mm. ever we were together, you know, what was your high? What was your low? We took that from another family that we saw them do. So we started doing it ourselves. And her high was whatever it was and her low. She's like, yeah, I mean... You know, a bunch of kids called me Dumbo at at school, and they made fun of my ears. I was like, "Really?" <laughs> That's and what she's I called like, Kate. By the way, you know that. Like, I called Kate Dumbo all throughout her childhood. No, she had I did not. Ears know that. that stick way out. That's so no. Funny. Okay, go keep going. That's so funny. But yeah. I said, "Well, what do you mean they're making fun of you for your ears?" And when you're a parent and you hear your kids being made fun of for anything, you're just like, Rrr. you just want to. <sighs> kill and uh, uh she's like yeah i said how long have they been doing that and she said oh i don't know the last three or four years i was like what she's like yeah i mean it's no big deal and she she wasn't but she wasn't doing she was a little kid she was probably third or fourth grade and she wasn't saying it like eh, i was so hurt it was kind of she was able to just laugh it off and Man, I was blown away by that because if yeah. it was me, I would have come home sucking my thumb crying to my mom. <laughs> and my mom know, would have busted some ass, by the way, it, the next oh, day. But isn't it funny like that 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 white hot anger that Ooh. comes over you when when you hear that someone is screwing with your kid 
it, wow. it, it makes me crazy. Like I have to be locked in the room or I might go beat up a seven year old. You know what right. I mean? Like I, I get that nutty about it. You know, if someone yeah. here is making fun of my kid or, or uh, I, I, I go crazy, crazy. Yeah. I cannot be rational in that. I'm moment. scared for my two year olds when they get older with the way the world is trending and me being even older than I am now with even less patience and saying <laughs> the wrong thing or running into one of these parents. It's like, now we don't discipline her. Don't raise your voice to my kid. Yeah. Don't do oh, yeah. fuck you. I'm going to get into a, I'm going to be 65 with kids that are 15 or whatever they are. And oh, yeah. I am going to lose my shit because it's going to be like, Oh, I'll tell your kid to shut the fuck up. But, Oh yeah, you know, we do not I, say that. We do not. I raise just our had voice. this situation. Now they're they're good friends of ours, so it wasn't really a big deal. And and their daughter was way in the wrong. But we were at the beach, and Rio is just running up with some seaweed, like all playing. And this daughter takes a big hunk of sand and just launches it in her face. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my fucking god! I mean, I, get over I here. Kid. To, I tried to keep calm and realize I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, it was an accident. I was like, that's bullshit. It was not an accident. Don't you fucking lie to me. And, and I was like losing it. She couldn't even believe I was this irate. And she like ran off into the parking lot of the beach. And I was like, Oh God, now I got to go like apologize. And I went to try to apologize to her. Wait, is this the other kid or Rio? No, no, the other kid. Cause I got okay. so angry at the other kid. Yeah. And, and and I went to try to go to apologize in the parking lot. She's like running away from me, like going near PCH. You're scary. The highway. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, stop, stop. I'm not going to, you know, because I just, oh, I, I, lo I lost it because uh, it, it was just a reaction. I couldn't help it coming out of my mouth. I was so angry. I think as you get older, and my mom is about to turn Ochenta Uno, 81. <laughs> I'm Mercado. saying that because I just don't want her to know that I just said that because she fancies herself <laughs> a Midwestern Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, that the filter just keeps getting torn more and more down. So I just know that when I'm 65 and some kid is like running around crazy in an airport terminal, I I'm going to have a tough time going, hey, Get a hold of your fucking kid, you know, as he's running in and out of my legs or whatever it is. Or if, right. you know, God forbid, some kid gets into it with one of my boys, I'm just going to lose my mind and I'm, uh. I'm going to end up in jail is what I'm saying. So keep uh. this. Keep this as my defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. No, I know. Well, it's okay. We were protective. That's it's the way it is. Yeah. It's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, well, this was fun, man. God. Um, all right. Goodbye. All right. Goodbye. I miss you and your Aspen life.